All right, sufficiency of Scripture. Definitions on page 19. The Scripture contained all the words of God He intended His people to have at each stage of redemptive history. So let's pause right there. So here's what it's saying. We went over this at the beginning. Over a period of how many years the Bible was written? So over this period of 1,600 years... God was not just randomly dropping parts of Scripture. What God was doing was He was unfolding what He intended people to have at each stage of redemptive history. So what is redemptive history? It's in the, you're in the yellow box there. Redemptive history is the unfolding revelation of God's plan for the redemption of His people. So to say people could not be saved in the Old Testament is false. What you need to think about is you need to think about the gospel like this. The gospel was there in the Old Testament. It was just more dimly seen or more smallly seen in a smaller way. And what God has done is over time, he has unfolded, he has unveiled his plan of redemption, which is now clear in Christ. It's obvious. So the rest of the definition says, and that it now contains, so that is scripture, now contains everything. We don't just have a small part. It has everything we need God to tell us for two things, or three, for salvation, for trusting him perfectly and obeying him perfectly. So salvation. So it has everything we need for salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you, you've had that privilege in your life that since childhood, people have been sharing with you, your parents, and if you've been a part of a church, have been sharing with you the scripture. Didn't have to happen that way. What's been shared here this week, what I'm sharing tonight, what's been shared in your small group, is sufficient to explain to you the gospel of Christ. But what it's saying is that over a period of time in people's lives, as the scripture has been unfolding and we become acquainted with the scripture, here's what it does. As we are acquainted with the scripture, it makes us wise to for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So that means this. The scripture points us to Christ. It explains to us who Christ is and what he did. And it proclaims for us why he did it, the gospel. So it points us to him. It explains who he is and what he did. And it proclaims to us the gospel. That Christ died on the cross in our place for our sins. That he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead. All of this, according to the scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. You can just write that in the margin right there. That's the succinct explanation of the gospel in the scripture. Now, Christ saves in that God is redeeming a people for himself to bring glory to him. And the way God's people bring glory to him, so this is, we're still in this opening up this picture of redemption. It's, not, it's fulfilled in Christ, but it is 
not completed until God has brought everyone into his redemptive family, the church. And he brings us in to glorify himself through us, and that happens as we trust him and as we obey him. Psalm 119.4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. So God expects that we're going to diligently obey what he has said. How can a young man keep his way pure? You know this verse? How can a young man keep his way pure or a young woman? By keeping it or by guarding it according to your word. So God's word is how we maintain our purity in our life. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's not just God saying, here's what you do, here's what you don't do. It's storing up the word in your heart. This is the place to where you're, you're trusting God, you're believing God. So as you trust God and believe God, then you obey God. So what God desires is that his word be in our lives, that we're clearly obeying him, and through our lips that we are clearly proclaiming him. So let's turn the page. So what is really saying now, how do we apply that God has given us everything we need for salvation, for trusting him, and for saving him? So that's in the Bible. It's sufficient. It's enough. It's there. So what does that mean to me? Number one, I must recognize my tendency to wonder and look elsewhere. What do you mean? Psalm 119 says this. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. The hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to wander off and to look for answers somewhere else because we convince ourselves in our minds that what God has said is, is insufficient. Now, I want you to, I'd mark yourself there in Psalm 119. I'm coming back there in a second. Go the, all the way to the end of the Bible, it's Revelation 22. Here's what it says. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in his book. That's pretty serious. So God's saying, don't you add and don't you take away from my book, the Bible. And if you do, there are eternal consequences to this. Now, I learned very early on, being around some Christians, I even had a friend for a while who would say to me in college, hey Jeff, I got a word for you. And what that usually followed was, you know, I was driving down the road today and God gave me a word for you and, and it was roughly tied to the Bible and wasn't. And sometimes it was very direct prophecy like, Wear a red shirt tomorrow. I'm just being, I'm exaggerating. But just that specific, you need to do it. It's like, whoa. All right. <laughs> Folks, God has spoken. It's right here. So when somebody gets up and tells you they've got a word from God, if what follows then is Scripture, and an explanation of the scripture, yes, they have a word from God. If what follows is some platitudes and ideas that are made up by a person, run. I don't even care if it sounds halfway good. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. 
Uh, I got time. So I got invited to Hawaii to speak for this youth organization that trains missionaries. And uh, I get there, and they take me to church the next morning. And I knew they were a little different than me. And I tried to say that. I'm not really sure we're together. But anyway, so I go out there to speak for them, and they take me to church, and I'm like, I'm definitely not with these people. So we go to lunch, and I said, now, now guys, you understand, like, I'm not going to preach like that tomorrow. The pastor never opened a Bible. He had, like, 14 words from God. He had one surfing. He had one while he was on the big island, one on the, as in the plane. I mean, he just had all these words, and oh, everybody was all down with it. So <laughs> I said, I'm going to get up with the Bible. I'm going to teach the Bible, whatever. Now, like we've had Q&A in the mornings at 8 o'clock. Well, every night at 10 o'clock, I had to stand on the platform and do a question and answer time. Well, not only would every young person who was at this training facility, every teacher, every cook, every gardener, every person would show up, and these people would yell at me and ask me questions. And I'm just like... just. I'm just telling y'all what the Bible says. I mean, and then I find out after the second day, the week before I'd been there, there had been a guy there who spent the whole week teaching these kids how to get a word from God without their Bibles. Needless to say, it was an interesting week of my life. Now, I didn't back off. I didn't back off from saying this is the word of God. And God did some things in the lives of these young people while I was there. And I've even had some write me sent and say how what I did, and I wasn't even teaching the doctrine of scripture, how what I said and taught that week was transformative in their lives and in the ministry that God was doing with them. Why? Because the Bible is sufficient. You don't need to go somewhere else to get a word. Next, I must go to Scripture for answers to my questions. Acts chapter 17 describes uh, some people. It says, Acts 17, 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scripture daily, to see if these things were so. So as the apostles were presenting the word, as the word was being unveiled for them, they were examining the Old Testament to say, does what these prophets say square with the Bible? Is this this so? Is it right? So as you have questions over what somebody like me is saying or someone else or something that you hear or questions in your life, You must go to the scripture because it has the sufficient answers that you need. Number three, I must expect wonderful things from the word of God. Back in Psalm 119, verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Now, basically, I was having a conversation with one of you this morning who said they were out at the beach yesterday and prayed this prayer. And God has answered it over the last couple of days. God loves to answer this prayer. And we should expect, we should pray expectantly that when we come to the word of God and we hear the word of God taught, that we are going to find and understand and comprehend wonderful things from God. Fourth and last thing. 
I must expect the Scripture to penetrate my life and those with whom I share the Word. There's those whom I share the Word with. This is Hebrews 4, verse 12. I kind of baited you on the first night when I... I, The Constitution illustration, you remember? And I said, the Bible's not a living document. And a couple of you came up to me after and said, wait a minute, isn't there a verse about that? And what I meant by the Bible's not a living document, meaning it's not moving and changing like some people think the Constitution is. But the Bible is living. And it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, the first two nights, I asked this question this morning, we had Q&A time. The first two nights, we were talking about these big, deep ideas, the authority of Scripture, inerrancy of Scripture. There were a lot of questions in people's mind. Is this right? Is this wrong? I don't understand this. Help me grasp that. Then last night I'm speaking, and it got tense in here. Did you feel it? It wasn't just sleepy. I mean, it got tense in here more than once. You know what that was? Conviction, that's right. That was the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and penetrating inside of people. Now, listen, you're such a tolerant generation. I'm not just you. Tolerance in the generation. Here's what will happen. I've watched a lot of young preachers do this. I've watched a lot of young people do this, that when you're bringing the Word to bear, you're speaking, you're sharing the Word with somebody, and you start sensing that conviction, you start backing up. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Now, you don't need to be mean, but don't you apologize for God's Word. And we all should expect that when we take the Bible up ourselves and we read it or we sit under the teaching of God's Word or when we teach or share God's Word with other people, we should expect that it penetrates into the very depths of people discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That it really speaks down here to who we are. Um, John MacArthur, who had a lot of influence on me, said as a young man, he wrote in in his Bible, he heard a pastor say this, sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin. See, one of the reasons we don't like conviction is it's pointing out our sin. And if we choose sin... We'll run from the Bible. But when we run to the Bible and we allow the Bible through reading it and hearing it to do its work in us and penetrate us, then it keeps us from sin. So put your stuff down. Let's 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 pray as the guys come to lead us in worship. I trust this week. I'll wait till everybody gets their stuff down. Let's just let's just take a a quiet moment here. Just at least look at the concrete floor or something. Just don't look around. Make sure you got your phones up. This is not Instagram check time. Let's 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 bow before God, and I want you to ask this question 
to yourself before the Lord? Have you been convicted of sin in your life this week? Or sinfulness, neglect? Has God taken his word this week and showed you your need for him? Have you realized that you have sinned against God? Have you prayed for forgiveness? Confessing your sin. If you have not, I encourage you to do that right now. Don't go any further in what we're doing. That confessing the sin that the Spirit of God through the Word of God has brought before you. And here's what's happening in this room and has been happening. God has pointed out all kinds of things. It's not been one thing. In fact, we haven't really listed a bunch of sins, if you've noticed. But God's pointed those things out while we've been dealing with His Word, because that's what His Word does. So confess those things for the Lord, and then here's what I encourage you to do. Thank Him for His forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Thank Him for the new life that Christ gives. And that now through Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can now live for Christ according to His Word. It is now possible. So Lord, thank You that Your Word shows us that. It's not just a list of commands. It is an explanation of our salvation and what it means to follow you. And Lord, that we can. and that You've empowered us to do so and you've, you've provided the way of salvation through Jesus that we can. So Lord, I pray now that as we sing, that we will sing as biblically informed people who take biblically informed songs and worship the God of the Bible in spirit and in truth. Lead us as we sing now in Jesus' name.